The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus said to the crowds, This is how it is with the kingdom of God. It is as if a man were to scatter seed on the land and would sleep and rise night and day, and through it all the seed would sprout and grow. He knows not how. Of its own accord the land yields fruit, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And when the grain is ripe, he wields the sickle at once, for the, the harvest has come. He said, To what shall we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable can we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, that when it is sown in the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. But once it is sown, it springs up and becomes the largest of plants, and puts forth large branches, so that the birds of the sky can dwell in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to understand it. Without parables, he did not speak to them. But to his own disciples, he explained everything in private. The Gospel of the Lord. To be sure, the words are not in the gospel at all. This, was, this reminds me of another story. Of, I was with Father Brent, and I was always talking about like, how he, his mistakes are very obvious because his facial expressions, and I think I just pulled the Father Brent. Um, but uh, back, back in seminary, this is, um, we have these practica for the sacraments. And often we only get to do these things like one time. So you would think all the things that we would be doing all the time is the things that we learn most about. But no, you would be totally incorrect because they barely teach us any of that stuff. And we mostly just learn about theology. So we have this practica with like our whole entire class for baptism. And they have a little baby doll and a little baptismal font. And then, you know, like a pitcher of water or a shell or whatever, whatever you have. And so it's really important. There are certain parts. So we see matter and form in a sacrament, right? So the matter is like the thing, the sacramental thing, like water. And then the form would be the words. So, of course, the church gives us the words, which we usually get from Scripture. And so that's the part you're not allowed to mess up because then the sacrament can be invalid, right? There's all kinds of other parts I could, like, mess up. But, like, the words of consecration and things like that, I'm not allowed to mess that part up, right? And so there's a part, you know, so when you baptize somebody, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That is the formula, right? And so um, during the practica, I remember I was pouring the water, and I said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and then the water poured into the eyes of the baby doll, and then I said, oops, and then the, <laughs> and the <laughs> Father Belsall said, no oops, start over again. It is not in the name of the Father, oops, in the name of the, you know, so, so that's kind of what that reminded me of, so sorry, Father Belsall, you know, and, uh, but anyway, okay, <laughs> on to the homily. So, um, so, Years ago, I remember I saw a picture my friend had posted online, and he had posted this RV that he had bought. It was, you know, kind of an older RV and everything like that. I just thought it was so cool because, you know, everybody knows, you guys know I like adventurous stuff like climbing and riding bikes and doing all that stuff. And so I was like, oh, how cool. And so I, I wrote him a message. And I was like, hey, like, what, what gave you the idea to get that RV? That's so cool. And then his response was, dude, you did. And I was like, what? You know, like, and I responded, I was like, I did. And then he's like, don't you remember? And then he retold the story back when we lived in Colorado. 
we were sitting around his parents' kitchen table, and I had come up with this grand plan, like this great idea, where like you get this RV, it runs on biodiesel, and then basically you go around the country going to things like flea markets and stuff like that, and you're selling stuff on eBay, so you're funding your whole entire trip the whole time, barely paying for any gas. It was like the most brilliant plan I ever had, apparently, at the time. And so he thought that this was such a great idea that eventually it inspired him to actually buy this RV. And so I was like, wow, gosh, I'd almost forgotten that even happened. And so another story. I was uh, giving a speech at a, at a wedding at the rehearsal dinner. And so I didn't think much of it at the time. But then a few years later, my cousin Andrew, he wrote me this long, long message about our faith, about the Christian faith, about Catholicism, about all of this stuff. And so my cousin Andrew was one of these people who, who's in the case of a lot of folks. He got confirmed in the church and then never went back to a Catholic church after his confirmation, right? You know, and so that was his situation, which is a situation that many people find themselves in. And of, of course, we know when you get confirmed, you should keep coming back to Mass. You don't want to just like go to, to the far winds, right? And so, but that's what happened to him. And so he sent me this message. And after I'm reading this long, long message about faith, again, I was kind of like, why did you send me this message, by the way? I was like, this is great. I love having this conversation. But I was like, but why did you send it to me? And then he said, remember years ago at the wedding when you gave the speech at the rehearsal dinner? He was just like, you spoke about God like you knew him. And I never heard anybody in our family speak about God that way. Now, I thought back to myself at that time in the immaturity of my faith and how clueless I felt like I was to my Catholic faith and to the practicing of my faith. But yet, in spite of myself, I guess there was something that the Holy Spirit inspired me to say that years later ended up inspiring my cousin. And why do I tell these stories? I tell these stories because there are two different seeds that were planted years ago that I didn't even really notice. But one of those stories was truly a seed planted about goodness itself. The other, the other, other one was just some crazy idea I had that who knows, you know, we're just talking around the kitchen table, right? And the other one, though, goodness itself, God itself. And then all of you, many of you, know this story already. My cousin Andrew is a Franciscan friar of the Renewal and lives in Honduras, and he's been there for about four years. And in fact, we both entered our formation basically at the same time. I entered the seminary the same year he entered his postulancy as a Franciscan. I never in a million years thought that I would have some sort of role in my, my cousin's conversion as a Franciscan. I mean, it's an unbelievable story, and he lives an unbelievable, hum, unbelievably humble life. For those of you that know the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, I look at, they have one habit, right? It's a gray habit. And he's just got patches all over it because they don't get a new habit. They just patch it if there's a hole in it. And one day I saw a big picture of a lot of the friars there. And of course, you know, you know the older friars because there's patches all over their habits and stuff like that. But I looked at my cousin and I got kind of all choked up because when I looked at that picture, I saw that the biggest patch that he has on his habit is right here. Why would he have such a big patch right there? From kneeling. You know, that's how much time he spends in prayer. 
sleeps on the floor most of the time, unless there's a bug problem. Then they have like an elevated pallet or something like that, but most of the time sleeps on the floor. He's an unbelievable example in my life. But I tell this story to say that what are the seeds that we're planting in our life? Many of you, when I say this, and I've said it before, think back to where you really got the gift of faith from. Of course, we get it from God. But who in your family, often it could be distilled down to like one or two people in your life. And you'll know it immediately, probably. You're like, my mother, my father, both of my parents, my grandmother, my aunt. You know, there's just somebody there that you saw their practice of the faith, and they practice it in a heroic way that it inspired you. This is probably the reason that you're actually sitting in this church today. I mean, my parents were certainly that example for me. And in many ways, um, my father, just because of the subtlety of the actions in his life. I mean, I often think back to, we knelt at our bedside, and he taught us the Our Father and the Hail Mary. Um, Seemed kind of inconsequential at the time. I didn't think much of it at the time. But years later, much of this occurred to me more in the seminary, after years of just prayer and reflection on many of these instances. And I've told this story to you before. You know, I was just like a bad, inattentive kid at Mass, like just like most of us, right? I mean, I was like, I'd squeeze my sister's hand as hard as I possibly could. Um, we would talk, you know, or I would just mess around with things, take the pencil out of the pew, you know, whatever you could think of, all that stuff that your kids probably did. And, uh, but you know what also happened is my dad was always quietly reading a small Bible, before Mass. And so he would gradually turn over to us and shush us every once in a while. But I still remember him sitting there while I was screwing around. He was there with his Bible, and he was reading, and he was praying. And so those seeds were sown in my heart, and it wasn't until later that they really ended up blossoming. And the soonest they possibly can blossom is is great. Like, that's when you do. But many of you probably have this story where when you were younger, you were inattentive, or you did, there was all kinds of, like, waywardness that you had in your life. But then it was later on that the seed finally started to kind of, like, germinate and everything. Another profound experience for me about the seeds of the church in a very specific way is that, you know, for for five years in Rome, I walked back and forth from the college to my university, from the college to my university. I told you it was about an hour and ten minutes round trip every day. And I walked, there's, there's over 900 churches in Rome. I think I've been to like about 100 of them or something like that. Over 900 churches in Rome. And you walk by all of these churches founded by martyrs. By martyrs. That's what we say. It's just like the church was founded by the blood of martyrs. Jesus plants the seed into his apostles and it is watered by the blood of the martyrs and it blossoms from our home in Rome. It's an amazing example to walk through all of those different churches that hold the remains of these great saints that actually gave us the faith. And so as we look through that, we see really nothing great comes unless there's that sacrifice. We have that other agricultural example in the Gospels. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. You know, but if it dies it produces much fruit, right? If it's just a seed and it stays just a seed, 
there's just nothing that happens to it right there. But if it dies and it gets cracked open, gosh, all this life comes from it. You know, I had the, the privilege last week of being at a retreat um, at Mount Angel, where I studied in seminary for the first two years of my, my seminary life. And some of my best friends in the presbytery, you know, of course, one of them, you know, well, Father Brent. So Father Brent was there. And often this is how it goes, just like anything else. We tend to sit at the same tables together at meals, like, you know, you, you hang out with your buddies. And so I was hanging out with Father Brent Crowe, Father Timothy Furlow, and Father Stephen Kenyon, others as well. Father Stephen Kenyon was ordained the same day I was, which is only a few days from now. It's June 15th. And, um, and so we were sitting around, and something occurred to me, like just kind of a thought and like a movement of the Spirit during that time. And I realized, I said, are all of you guys the only son in your family? And everyone's like, yeah, yeah no, I only have a sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so I realized that all of us are the only son in our family. And it made me think about the nature of sacrifice, because I remember one time, one time I asked my dad, I said, Dad, I was like, did you ever think about, like, if I become a priest, that, um, you know, like our family name and stuff like that carried on, won't be carried on? And he said, I thought about it one time. One time I thought about, oh gosh, you know, this is, you know, this is the end of the carrying on of our, our family name. And then he said, it was such a fleeting moment in comparison to what you would be able to do as a priest. He's just like, it seemed almost inconsequential. And then I kind of moved on. And as I looked at my brother priests and the same thing in their families, we offer all kinds of sacrifice in our life. But the greatest seeds you know, are sown in sacrifice. They really, really are. And so that's the big question I would ask all of you today. We look at our life, we look at those examples that I gave. It's like, are we sowing seeds that will last? Seeds that last for eternity. That's what St. Paul is talking about in the second reading, and he's often talking about. He's talking about heavenly realities. Because we know our earthly reality is truly a temporary thing. It's a temporary thing. So, is it a fun idea to go traveling around in an RV all around the country? And could you do it? Sure you could. As long as it's not a means, you know, it's not, it's not the end in itself. It's only a means to an end. Because seeds like that, if we sow all of our seeds in material things, we can take none of those things with us when we die. They just die. I remember my, my grandfather, I inherited one of his, his bicycles, and I had it for years and years, and I, and I took care of it, and I upgraded it and everything like that. And then when I was at the cathedral, while I was in seminary, I was staying there for a little while, the garage door got left open one night. And you guys know where the cathedral is. It's like right there on Burnside, not the best neighborhood in the world. And so... Um, I woke up in the morning. There were two bikes in the garage, somebody else's and my grandfather's. I walked in there, and it was gone. And it was in that moment I was just like, I was like, there's a lesson here somewhere, Lord. I know that there is. And a big part of it is the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Easy come, easy go. It's just something that we use on this life. But the seeds that we really want to sow 
are the ones that last in eternity. You know, seeds of faith, things that actually inspire people to follow Christ, those are the seeds that actually change the world. And like I said, they're eternal seeds. They're not just small material things that only exist in the short time on earth. They're things that last in heaven. That's the fulfilling promise that the Lord gives us. And so, you know, this is the thing. We all come here on a Sunday because of many of these people who sowed these seeds in our life, and we feed upon the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. That is how we're fed. That is how our seed really germinates. But remember, we can't be obstacles to that. During this retreat, one of the priests said to us, and I'm sure many of you have heard this before, this is the priest who was leading the retreat. He said, brothers, lead people to Jesus Christ and get out of the way. <laughs> That's what he said to us. And he's absolutely right. And he's absolutely right. We need to lead people to Jesus Christ. And then we need to get out of the way and not be some sort of obstacle for, for their growth. But we lead him to the table where we're fed by his body and blood. And then we let that grow. And then our role is to help water that seed. The light of Christ that we receive to give light to that seed. That's what we do. But we get out of the way. But we give water and light to that seed so they can truly grow and blossom into something that's eternal. God bless you all.